0: So my name is Phil Short. I think uh, we've met many of you here. I guess some of you may be visitors and I didn't actually expect to be here today a few months ago. Carol and I expected we'd be back in Niger with our pastoralist Fulani friends Uh, but as many of you may have read or heard on the grapevine I ended up in hospital in October having open-heart surgery. quadruple bypass so I'm very thankful that the Lord has uh, raised me up to be able to continue in ministry in Niger as well as here Uh, so I want to thank those of you who prayed for for us Uh, my wife and I while I was in hospital it was a wonderful experience I think if I'd been given the choice of going on a cruise or having open heart surgery I think I'd choose open heart surgery (laughs) now you're probably asking why well it was a great time of being able to reflect and to contemplate and the scriptures came alive in a new way, the promises of uh, our Lord and his presence and uh, as I was going wheel, being wheeled in for surgery I thought of the Apostle Paul's words, um, to be with Christ is far better but there is work to. If there is work to do, okay, I've just forgotten the exact quote now, but you know, know the one I mean. Um, but yeah, if it's for your benefit, I would. Um, I realise that it's best for me to stay here. That's what the Apostle Paul said. But I'm not comparing myself to Paul. But I'm very thankful for the way God answered prayer. We don't have any sermon notes up on the screen today. Something happened between our place and. Uh, New Hope, uh, and it didn't get through. So um, what I'd like to share with you this morning, though, is about the worthiness of Jesus. Jesus is worthy. I don't know if you remember, as you think back about the last few weeks when we're celebrating Christmas, the reaction to Jesus' birth. For instance, in Matthew chapter 2, when the Magi came to Bethlehem, did you notice the reaction of Herod? He was afraid and vehemently opposed Jesus. And we know it happened when he killed all those babies. So that was one attitude. And then there was the religious leaders. Remember how when the Magi wanted to know where the Messiah would be born, they said, oh, it's in Bethlehem. But look at the indifference. Not one of those religious leaders went to Bethlehem to check out if the Messiah had really been born. And it was less than 10 kilometres. So they were indifferent. And then there was the Magi when they saw the star coming over the stable air in Bethlehem. They rejoiced and were so pleased and glad that they had found the king that had been born. And remember how they gave him expensive gifts to worship him. And so... In this morning's reading, I would like to share with you another incident, this time in the life of Jesus during Passover week. And I'd like you to reflect on the attitudes of those who were there at this gathering in Bethany, which isn't very far from Jerusalem. And for those of you who have your Bibles, I'll be particularly centering our thoughts on Mark chapter 14 and verses uh, 3 to 10 and in the beginning of this chapter you'll notice that the teachers of the law are plotting to kill Jesus and they're trying to work how to do it without causing a riot remember and then so in this context this is the reading that I just I'll read a few verses because we haven't got it up on the screen Mark 14 3 but there are parallel readings in John chapter 12 and in Matthew 26, and I want to combine the three accounts in what I share with you today. So are we all together on this, we understand. So here it is in the context of Passover week. While Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard, She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money be given to the poor. And they rebuked her sharply. So we'll just leave the reading that far at this point. But did you notice? Jesus is reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper. And in John's Gospel, it says that this dinner was put on to honour Jesus. Now, I've got a picture that I'd like to show up on the screen of hospitality in Niger. And this is a picture of an Arab group who welcomed us so warmly and gave us food, tea and dates And uh, then they would cook a meal. Uh, Hospitality is a very big thing in Arab culture. And also in the Fulani culture. And when we're out with the Fulani out at their encampments, the herders will bring fresh milk. And each of the uh, families, the wives, will bring food for us. And so here's only Carol and I. And they're all bringing food that they want us to taste because they all want to honour us. You'd think I'd be the size of a tank, wouldn't you? All the food that they give us and the milk. But they're very hospitable and hospitality also involves relationships and spending time together. And so it's like that in the the Jewish as well as the Arab culture. But I want you to come with me then to Bethany, to the home of Simon the leper, and it's the occasion of this special dinner to honour Jesus. And of course... He was worthy of this special honour, for there reclining at the table with him is Lazarus, as we read in John 12. And the last time Jesus was in Bethany, the time before, when he came to Bethany, the sisters asked him to come. You might remember that when he got there, Lazarus was stone dead. And he was there wrapped up in grave clothes in a cave, in in the grave, And the stone was rolled across the entrance. And so as Jesus came to the tomb, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believeth in me, though he die, yet will he live forevermore. And then as he stood at the graveside, you remember how he prayed. And then he called Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out, he'd been dead for four days, his body would have been bloated and stinking, but Jesus raised him from the dead and out came Lazarus bound in the grave clothes. And Jesus said, release him and let him go. So here at the table with Jesus, this special dinner to honour Jesus, Lazarus is sitting. And then the disciples are there too, we read in Matthew, as well as in John's account, that the disciples are there as well as Jesus, which is what we would expect. But notice that it's in the home of Simon the leper. Now, we can assume that Jesus healed Simon because he no longer had leprosy. If he did, he wouldn't be having guests at his home, would he? He'd be an outcast out of the city and anybody who came near him, he would have to cry out, Unclean, unclean, and nobody could go near him. But now here he is at the table too. So what a reason to honour Jesus for all that he had done for Lazarus, for what he had done for Simon. And of course, by this time, the disciples had been with him for three years and they had heard his wonderful teaching. They had seen his miracles. And so there, as they're reclining at the table and enjoying the feast and each other's company, Martha is serving, as we read in John's account. She's serving the guests. Martha was a real worker, wasn't she? You remember from another story when she complained that Mary wasn't helping her. And here again, she's acting as, the ho- as serving the, 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 the guests who have come. And she is so thankful to see that here is Lazarus, alive, full of energy, sitting there, or reclining there with Jesus and the other guests. And when she thought about what it was like when he had died, but now he's alive and well, she was so thankful. But so Martha's the sister of Lazarus is serving. And then Mary comes into the room in John's account. And as she comes into the room, she's holding in her hand a special Alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume, as we read in Mark, made of pure nard. And as she comes around to where Jesus is reclining and comes around to where his feet are, she breaks the jar. And if I understand her right, she poured it on his head, as in Matthew's account, but also on his feet. Well, can you imagine what? those who are reclining and celebrating at this feast thought. They were shocked to think that she would come into the room and disturb their time together. They were amazed and shocked that such an appropriate thing would be done and that she would not only put the, put, put the perfume on Jesus' head and his feet, but then wipe his feet with her hair. They were shocked because not only what she did and the timing of it, but because of the expensive nature of the ointment or of the perfume that she, she had just poured onto Jesus. And so with great indignation, well, just to mo- highlight this, it says some of them present were saying indignantly in verse 4 in Mark, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages. And the money be given to the poor. This was very expensive perfume and so they harshly criticized her because they thought of the wastage of this ointment that the money could have been used to help the poor. To them this was an extravagant act of waste. So can I ask you what is waste? Well waste is when you give more for something worth less. Or when you take a day to do a task, that could be done in two hours. It's wasted your time. Or maybe some of you women have spent hours slaving away in the kitchen, cooking a special cake for people who are coming to visit and it's a flop and you can't even serve it because you'd be too embarrassed. So not only have you wasted your time, but you've wasted the ingredients. That's what waste is. Or when you buy more than you can use and the rest is thrown out. There's many ways of, of describing waste. Well, these guests were very indignant and very upset about what Jesus has done. And in John's Gospel, we read that Judas was particularly um, referred to when John says in verse 4, <clears throat> But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. But in Matthew's Gospel, it mentions that all of the disciples criticise this, not just Judas, because Judas, of course, he was the treasurer for the disciples' group and for Jesus, and he was a thief. So you'd expect someone like Judas to say that. But all of the disciples said, why this waste to think that you'd pour this perfume on Jesus? Is Jesus worth that? Is he worth that year's wages? Is he worth this expensive ointment? You see, for Mary, there was nothing that was too much to give to Jesus. Her heart was filled with gratitude, love and adoration for Jesus. She saw with her own eyes or she had seen with her own eyes how Jesus had raised her brother Lazarus from the dead some weeks before. She believed that he was the resurrection and the life <clears throat> and along with Martha, believed that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, the Son of God. In John 11:27, 27, we see that. Jesus was worth more than she could tell. This was her most precious possession, and Jesus could have it all. This was no waste to Mary. She poured it on the incarnate Son of God, the one who had created the world and all that's in it, the one who in a few days' time would be crucified as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. Was Jesus worth it? Was he worth that much? We read in Hebrews chapter 1 of of Jesus uh, coming into the world and it says in verse 2, But in these last days God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Jesus was worth it. We've been singing about the glory and majesty of Jesus already this morning, haven't we? <clears throat> I remember when um, I left the farm to prepare to go out to Niger as we believed that God was calling us to work among the Fulani people. And as uh, I was leaving and thinking about leaving family and playing sport that we, I like to do at that age and uh, relating to friends, I was thinking about this and Satan would come with a temptation. Oh, you're throwing away all of this life that you've known. You're wasting your life. But of course... That was a lie of the enemy because Jesus is worth our all. He's worth everything. Well, what was Jesus' response to the criticism of the disciples and those who were there? Jesus says in verse 6, Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus' prophecy was true, wasn't it? We're talking about it this morning. But notice how Jesus in his response said, she has done a beautiful thing for me. Jesus commended her act of devotion and then he said to her she did what she could. And I wonder as we look about and think about our own lives whatever we do for Jesus he sees it as a beautiful thing. And I wonder can we say that we are doing all that we can for Jesus. And don't I'd like to remind you that Jesus sees what we do for him and he appreciates it. And in Matthew 25, just before the the chapter about Jesus' anointing in Matthew, we read that in the last day when the king will come to say to those on his right hand, "'Come, you who are blessed by my Father.'" This is Matthew 25, 34. "'Take your inheritance in the kingdom.'" Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we, we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did you, we see you a stranger invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? And the king of kings will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Jesus will not forget anything that we have done in his name and done for him. Mary did what she could. Let us also do what we can. Well, we thought about Mary and her gift, this very costly gift, her love for Jesus that caused her to do it, her estimation and um, attitude to Jesus, knowing that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. But what about Judas and the other disciples who were so critical? Well, in Matthew chapter 26, this is what it says of Judas. This is straight after the incident of the anointing in Bethany. Then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, this is Matthew 26, 14, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? If I hand Jesus over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. 30. That's how much Jesus was worth to Judas. Isn't that incredible? He'd been with Jesus for three years. He'd heard his teaching. He'd seen his miracles. He saw that he was so so unique and yet he was willing to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and that was only about a third of the cost of that jar or this alabaster jar of ointment. Jesus was only a worth to Judas a third of that alabaster jar of ointment. How sad. And I guess all of us know people who used to follow Jesus, who used to love him and show their allegiance to him. Maybe some of us have family members who used to be and no longer follow Jesus. Or maybe it's other relatives or friends or neighbours and they don't see the worth of Jesus and the value of who Jesus is. I remember when I was in hospital and in the St. John of God hospital, they have a crucifix up on the wall and as I was lying there Um, recovering Uh, one of the nurses was there uh, caring for me and I said to this nurse I said to him you see up there on the wall uh, the cross and the crucifix I said does that mean anything to you and he looked at me and he said well I used to go to church I used to follow Jesus but he says I haven't been doing that lately he says, I haven't been to church for a long time. And I guess I asked that question of quite a number of people who were there, some of them cleaners, some, of them, most of them nurses. And I think there was only maybe two who really knew who Jesus was and why he came. There was only two who loved Jesus and were so happy to talk about him and that they had come to know him. And so G- Judas As we know, he went out and he hung himself because he regretted that he had sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He had wasted his life. He had wasted all the opportunities that he had had to know and love Jesus. And instead of coming in repentance and looking to be forgiven, he took his own life. What about the other disciples? Well, thankfully after the resurrection and Pentecost, they came to really understand and believe who Jesus was, their Messiah and their Lord. And as Jesus promised that after the Holy Spirit came upon them, they would receive power and they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in Acts chapter five, we read of the apostles being arrested because of the fact that they had been teaching this message and many people were believing and uh, they had been performing miracles and so on. And in chapter 5 and verse um, 13, we read that the the religious leaders, they put them into prison because of what they had done. And... uh, It says in verse 16, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. And then as you might remember during the night they were released from prison and uh, the next day they came out of being out of prison. They went to continue to share the message. And then later on in the chapter we read that the, the religious leaders, in verse 41 it says, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. Because when uh, the religious leaders ordered them to stop preaching, instead of killing them because they were persuaded by Gamaliel, they didn't kill them, but they flogged them instead and gave them a good beating. And the, the apostles were rejoicing that they had been worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. So look what happened in the disciples' lives. They came to understand the true value of Jesus and who he is and why he came. And they committed their lives to him. And most of the apostles died as martyrs, didn't they? So what about us? How committed are we to Jesus, who is worthy of the praise and worship of all people because of who he is and what he's done? I have a picture of a friend of mine, Ardo. And we write about him in our newsletter because he is now in his uh, late 50s. And uh, he is the director of our well digging ministry. So we work very close with him, a very committed Christian. But when Ardo, you can see him there at a well with us, with a camel. But when Ardo first became a believer in his late teens, he was the first believer in his community And his family persecuted him severely. They were so ashamed that one of their children had become deserted Islam and become a follower of Jesus. And so they persecuted him. They wouldn't let him eat their food with them. They said, you're you're like a dog. You're an infidel. They wouldn't allow him to join with them. And as a communal society, do you think of how hard that would be? And to top it all off, his father-in-law took away his wife and said, now you're an infidel. I cannot have you married to my daughter. And so his wife was taken from him. And I remember how Ardo explained to me the pain that he endured during that time. He said he would leave his family encampment where they were near the well, and he would go up onto a sandhill nearby that looked over the valley and he would sit there on his own and cry, break down because life was so lonely and he was suffering so much. And his father-in-law said, well, if you recant and return to Islam, then you will get your daughter back. But Ardo said, how could he turn away from Jesus he had discovered who Jesus was that Jesus is the good shepherd and that Jesus had laid down his life for him that his sin was now forgiven that he had eternal life Jesus was worthy of all his trust and love and devotion he was worth all of the suffering that he was going through and in fact he testified later of how he had an inner joy and an inner peace even during that suffering we were preparing to leave Niger and, uh, in April of last year. Soon after we left, um, I have another picture of a, a community of believers, and soon after we left Niger, we heard that the Muslim clerics in a city fa- south of where the Fulani pastoralists are, had heard about the growing number of believers up in the north For one of the youth conferences, there were over 500 that had gathered to hear the message and some of the Fulani had put it on social media and the religious clerics were incensed. And so they went up to the north where there was this community of believers taking with them grain, a large supply of grain, bags of grain and also motorbikes. And they said to the community when they arrived at this community that they would give them grain and motorbikes if they would turn away from Jesus and come back to Islam? Well, the believers told their visitors to sit down and they shared the message with them and told them why they were followers of Jesus and that he was worth much more than grain even though there was a great shortage of grain and it was the, hot, the end of the hot season and many people are hungry. And many young people love motorbikes out there now. And uh, they said, they shared with them why Jesus is worth more than grain and motorbikes. And the religious clerics turned around and went back south, ashamed that their efforts to turn people back to Jesus had failed. I don't know if you ever remember hearing the story of this Indian beggar who every day would sit on the side of the street begging for food. And as he sat there with his legs crossed under his robes, he would beg for food. He had his bowl there and people would go by and put rice in it. And when his bowl had a little bit of rice in it, he would empty it out into a bag and hide the bag under his garments. And uh, so this is the way he made his living. Anyway, one day, to his surprise, this rajah came riding by on an elephant, dressed in his finery, this ruler. And as the rajah came next to where the beggar was, near on the side of the street, he dismounted his elephant. And he had in his hand a bag, and he went over to the beggar. And he said to this beggar, Give me your rice. Give me your rice. The beggar was shocked. This Raja asking him for rice. And so with trembling hand, he felt under his garment to the bag and he pulled out a few grains of rice and put it in his bowl and he tipped the rice into the Raja's hand. And then the Raja, he had his bag there and he put in his hand into his bag and he took out a couple of little diamonds about the equivalent of the rice that this beggar had given him. And then he put it into the bowl. The beggar looked into his bowl and he saw these diamonds. And he was amazed. And he said, oh, if only I'd given him all my rice. If only I'd given him all my rice. I wonder as you think about 2024 and what's ahead of us, I wonder where Jesus stands in relation to your life. Have you given him all your life, is Jesus worth all of that you have and is he worth, like Mary, giving all your valuable time and your resources for him and for his kingdom? So as we think about that, I'd just like to remind you that the apostles saw the worthiness of Jesus. Remember, too, I'm sorry about Don't don't be distracted. It's great to have the children here. one day they'll also be able to come up and share, won't they? So let's remember that Jesus is worthy of our most treasured possessions. He is worthy of all we have and are. Remember how the Apostle Paul hated Jesus and he thought believers in Jesus were worthless and he put them in prison. But one day he encountered the living Christ on the Damascus Road And then his life was turned around. And in Philippians chapter 3, this is what the Apostle Paul said toward the end of his life. He says, I consider everything as loss or waste compared to the surpassing greatness or worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish or waste, that I might gain Christ. Anything we give to Jesus is not waste, but he is worthy of it all. So as the musicians come up, I'd just like to read to you a verse from Revelation, and then I'm just gonna pray, and then the musicians will lead us in a song. In Revelation chapter five and verse 12, Or in verse 11, or verse 9, it says, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe, language, people and nation. And then in verse 12, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, wealth, wisdom and strength, honour and glory and praise. How sad that today in our world, so few people know who Jesus really is, who know his true worth, what he's done for them. There are those who oppose him, just like Herod did. There are those who are indifferent. And then there are those like us who worship him. Let us give our all to Jesus so that his great message might spread to those around us who don't know him, just like Matt said in his Little pastoral challenge to us, and even think of those in places like Niger who still have no one to tell them. What a wonderful privilege it is to know Jesus! He is worthy of all our praise and honor and worship, He's worthy of our lives. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you this morning for the opportunity that we've had to look into your word and to be reminded of your greatness and of your glory. We thank you that Mary pointed the others to who you really are and we pray that we like Mary might be willing to give of our lives and of our resources and focus our prayers on those who do not know you and on encouraging one another to live out our lives for the glory of your great name that we might be able to reflect your glory and your majesty to those around us so we thank you and praise you for your spirit who lives within us to empower us and enable us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray.